This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today, our topic is how a new president might affect your money. Very timely topic because we have an inauguration coming up on Friday, January 20th. And this has been a very contentious election process. And um, I feel like this topic is something that people are trying to understand. So I want to make a quick disclaimer just to be really clear from the onset. This is not commentary on whether or not I approve or disapprove of the campaign promises that Donald Trump made. What this is designed to be is helping people understand how it will affect your own personal pocketbook if Donald Trump does uphold all of the campaign promises that he made. And really, if you think about it, how a new president might affect your money is really kind of an important thing. (laughs) So I just want to jump in and talk about um, some of the different things that he promised during his campaign and really bring it home to you in how those campaign promises actually might affect your pocketbook, your bank account, your tax situation, your health care. And then maybe this will be um, something that sheds some light for you on what you can expect going forward if he indeed does keep those promises, which we'll find out, I guess, over the next few months and years. Okay, the big thing that Donald Trump talked about during his campaign was taxes, and that was something that a lot of Americans really keyed into. Now, what he talked about doing was consolidating some of the top tax brackets, lowering that maximum tax rate, and having overall four total tax brackets. Now, here's the thing. The IRS's tax code is incredibly complex. In fact, I I think that it's almost ridiculous in its complexity. And so only having four tax brackets would actually simplify things. And I think that that would be a good thing. Perhaps it would uh, affect your pocketbook in that it might not cost as much to pay your accountant to do your taxes if the process was a little bit more simplified. So, Where it has been is this. In 2016, the top two tax brackets were 35% and 39.6%. So those were the top two. So if you're making a lot of money, you're hitting those tax brackets. And what Trump proposed in his campaign was to lower that maximum tax rate down to the 33% bracket. So that clearly would save some taxes for people who are in those higher income brackets. So if that's you listening, then that's probably probably something very positive for your pocketbook. Now, there was a lot of um, chatter about how um, Trump's tax proposal really was only giving tax breaks to the rich. And I just want to make a comment about that for a minute. So yes, there's no doubt about it that if you're lowering the top two tax brackets, you are giving the tax breaks to people who are in the higher earning wage segments. But one of the parts of his proposal was also to have a 0% tax bracket. And a 0% tax bracket means if you're only making so much money, then you're not going to pay any taxes. And what I think a lot of people don't really understand is that 
to some extent, that already exists. So for people who have dependents, you can make a certain amount of money and actually not pay any taxes right now. And the interesting point about that is that when people are saying, oh, you know, all these tax breaks are just for the rich, my point with that is it's really hard to give a tax break to someone who's not paying taxes. <laughs> if there are no taxes to be paid, then there is no tax bracket break to be given. And so I think that has to be part of what the larger understanding here is when we're talking about changes in the tax code. So four tax brackets, 0%, 12%, 25% and 33% would be the simplified tax bracketing. Now, another thing that he talked about doing is repealing this 3.8% Medicare surtax. For people who are higher wage earners, you have started paying in recent years an additional 3.8% Medicare surtax on any amounts that are over a certain dollar level, which is around 125-ish thousand. It used to be that when you hit that dollar level, you stopped paying Medicare tax, and then the last tax uh, revisions that were done said you have to pay this 3.8% Medicare tax on all of your wages. It's not capped out. And so what Trump is suggesting is that that would be repealed and taken away. So how that affects your pocketbook is that if you are in those uh, wage earning brackets where you're above about 125,000, then you'd be saving about 3.8% in tax by not having to pay that additional Medicare surtax. So that's a direct impact on your pocketbook and in your bank account. All right, so back to the fact that these IRS tax codes are incredibly complex. There are a lot of different deductions that people can take. And one of the campaign promises that Trump made is that he would like to simplify that process too. So he wants to limit the tax deductions. What he does want to keep is he wants to keep deductions for mortgage interest and charitable giving. Now, I have to say, I do like this. And the reason I like this is because it's promoting things that I think are important. For Americans to be able to own a home and be able to deduct that mortgage interest, it's just a nice financial incentive to connect in with good old-fashioned American hometown values where you own your own home, you own your own property. So continuing to have that as a deductible expense, I think that's fantastic. I also think that continuing to allow charitable deductions incense the right behavior that connects in with something that I find valuable, which is giving back to your community. So having limited tax deductions, but including the things in there that I think are valuable to Americans, that I think is a really good thing. So if you own a home and if you are charitable oriented, you're still going to get those tax deductions. Where it's going to impact you, though, is that if they limit other deductions, then certain things that you might be writing off now are no longer going to be uh, write-offable, and so that could potentially increase your taxes. All right. A lot of people who get into a situation where they're earning quite a bit of money and have a wide array of tax deductions are getting hit by something called the AMT, the Alternative Minimum Tax. And this is kind of a supplemental additional tax. This is a very simplified way of saying it, but basically it's like a whole secondary tax calculation that people have to do. And if, if the government basically said you didn't pay enough in taxes, it's kind of a gotcha, you're going to pay them anyway, no matter if your deductions were legitimate or not. So again, that's that's a very simplified version of what that means. But 
Trump is proposing to do away with that. So he would do away with that supplemental tax. Now, I'm not quite sure how that would all play out because if he's limiting the tax deductions but getting rid of the AMT, I'm not quite sure if that's going to wash out things for people who are making more money or if it's really going to save people money. That remains to be seen. Another thing I think that's really interesting that he proposed is that he intends to lower the corporate tax rate to 15% and to allow a one-time repatriation of overseas corporate profits at a rate of 10%. So here's the thing. Trump has been very, very clear that he wants to, quote unquote, make America great again. And one of the things he wants to do is bring business and jobs back to America. Now, a lot of companies have headquarters or businesses on foreign soil and have a lot of workers over there, and the money is in that foreign country's currency. And right now, it's very expensive for those companies to bring that money back into the U.S. because it has to be repatriated, which means converted and taxed back into U.S. dollars. So what he's suggesting with this is an incentive to businesses to bring it back to America, to bring the jobs back here, to bring the business back here, to bring the the plants back here, and is going to give them a tax break from current taxation dollars if they're going to do that. So he's saying, hey, here's what I want you to do, and here's the corporate incentive tax-wise to get it done. So those two things do align. And I, for one, am all for building up the jobs and the companies within America. I think that's a great idea. So the um, repatriation tax break is designed to do just that. All right, the last tax thing that I want to mention is that um, I believe that one of the deductions that he wanted to increase was for child care. Now, the average cost of child care in America is much higher than what the current tax code allows parents or grandparents who are paying for child care to deduct on their taxes. And I actually think that this is a barrier to somebody working. What I mean by that is for a lot of people, the cost of child care is prohibitive. And so if it eats up a lot of their paycheck, then they end up not working. Being able to deduct the average cost of childcare instead of what you can deduct now is just going to put more of that tax money you're paying now back into your pocket and allow you to keep more of what you're making. So I feel like that could have a really strong impact on the pocketbooks of anybody who has children that are in daycare is to be able to change the way that they're deducting that on their taxes. All right, so the... uh, Interesting thing too, and and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is that he isn't proposing major changes to Social Security and to Medicare. And I think that that is really good news for people who are in that Social Security or Medicare age. And I just want to say a quick um, information piece about our seminar that's coming up that's kind of geared towards people who are utilizing Social Security and Medicare. If you're somebody who is helping your aging parents deal with some of their social security complexity or their Medicare questions, this seminar is for you. It's going to be held on February the 28th. It's called Assisting Your Aging Parents, and it's really all about helping you help someone that you love 
as you get into the point where you're becoming a financial caregiver for them. So understanding the complexity of Social Security, understanding the complexity of Medicare, things like that, understanding how to help them with their finances. If that's your situation, if you are assisting your aging parents, then this seminar is for you. And you're going to want to go out to sterkfinancialservices.com and register for it. Okay, welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is how a new president might affect your money. You know, we have a lot of people who call us and say, well, I listened to your show and I wondered if I can talk to you about my money. And I just want to say that the answer to that is a resounding yes. If you're really worried about how a new president might affect your money or if you want to take this time as a chance to review what you have going for your retirement planning or your investment management or things like that, I do encourage you to reach out and talk to us. You can schedule time to connect with me or with Kelsey and visit about what you have going on. And then we'll just simply, you know, let you know whether or not we think we can add value to your situation or not. So go out to sterkfinancialservices.com to find us and uh, hopefully we'll have a personal conversation about how the new president might affect your money. But let's keep talking about this. So one of the things that Trump talked about was that his intent was to have no changes to some of the federal benefit programs. Okay, so Social Security and Medicare are the two big federal programs that most people are the most worried about. Now, of course, I don't know what they will do, but what he did say on the campaign trail is that he didn't intend to have changes to the promised Social Security benefits for people right now. Okay, and that he would oppose raising the wage base for Social Security payroll tax. Right now, in 2017, it's 127200 And what that means, if you don't know what that means, is that for the first $127,000 of money you earn, you have to pay into the Social Security system. But everything you earn on top of that, you don't have to pay into it. And um, what people have been talking about as a way to kind of fix Social Security is to wage raise that wage base to all earnings and that there'd be more social security collected then. Now, the more social security you collect from those people, the more you're going to have to pay them later. So it's a little bit of a circular calculation. (laughs) But nevertheless, that's one of the things he said he opposed. And he also talked about Medicare cuts. And um the one thing that he said was he doesn't anticipate cutting benefits for Medicare. And I think that's something that would affect a lot of our listeners who um, are in that retirement stage to know that the intent is not to cut your Social Security or your Medicare. And let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. Well, no, it'd be really interesting to see what the new administration does with both of these because there are things that need to be fixed and they right. can't be ignored. But I think they're... they're maybe seeing opportunity to make some changes that might not affect the benefits, but just affect the budget as a whole. So we'll we'll see what happens there. So some changes that they're talking about have a lot to do with trade. We hear that a lot when people talk about Trump is, you know, him being critical of the current trade deals like NAFTA and things like that. And basic, and and a lot of people don't understand what really NAFTA is. And um, it's the North American Free Trade Agreement. 
in a nutshell, and this is a complete simplification of it, but in a nutshell, it basically allowed companies to shift production jobs out of the United States because it was a lot more financially impactful to do it outside the U.S. than inside the U.S. At the time, it probably made sense, but it doesn't necessarily continue to make sense in some people's viewpoints. And so what the goal of making changes in the NAFTA agreement is, is to shift production back into the United States, bring the jobs back home, bring that back to the U.S., create jobs utilizing that, and create a financial environment for companies that supports that. So for sure, that's going to have an impact on international relations. For sure, that's going to have an impact on trade. And for sure, that's going to have an impact on the U.S., I think it's going to be positive for some things and it's going to be negative for some things because within change, there's always pros and cons. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. The, always, always pros and cons to everything. Right. So another thing that he talked about is supporting the application of tariffs in response to trade disputes. So if there's a dispute and you're not going to play the game that he wants to play, then maybe you'll get hit with a tariff. And a tariff is just an extra tax. So um, I don't really know how this is going to play out. I don't know if this will be kind of a it's my way or the highway and if you don't like my game, here's your extra tariff tax or if it will be a lot more negotiable than that. But he is in support of utilizing that extra tax as a way of um, negotiating and to getting the trade deals to be more favorable for the U.S. So that's definitely something that they might do that would impact your money. And then another thing that will be interesting is when they talk about the energy side of things. So you're ta he's talking about repealing the Clean Power Plan. And the Clean Power Plan is all about reducing carbon dioxide emissions. And there's a lot of government money being spent on environmentally friendly organizations, which I think is great. We definitely want to have a strong environment for ourselves and for the future. Um, but if they repeal the Clean Power Plan, then it's going to make certain power sources that have been out of favor, like coal, probably become more viable again. Because coal's kind of been on the downhill slide with the Clean Power Plan. And if they repeal that, I think that'll come back into play a little bit. Well, and, and kind of an unintended consequence of the, the Clean Power Plan is when you make coal not a... a real option anymore or less you know a less popular option there's entire cities and states that you know their all of their income really falls on the, the shoulders right. of their coal production yep. and so um just having one swooping motion that makes that a, an unlikely use um, of materials anymore really can kill the economies of smaller areas um and so there's a lot of un again and a lot of unintended consequences when you put things into place that they think they're going to look at repealing some of those things that um Maybe we're good in theory, but the execution wasn't exactly perfect. So, or the unintended consequences of it maybe were more harmful than good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and speaking of that, let's talk about healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! All right. So, the big thing about healthcare is that, um, you know, he specifically says he has an intent to either repeal or replace the Affordable Care Act. And, um, you know, we jokingly call this the Unaffordable Care Act because it, it really it hasn't made health insurance affordable to most Americans. Now, there are certainly pieces of the Affordable Care Act that are fantastic. 
The, the lack of pre-existing conditions is really important. The dependents being covered until they're 26 has been a really good portion of that. The no limit on essential health benefits for somebody's lifetime. You can't kind of run out. I think those are some really good pieces that that legislation introduced. And so, you know, if you look at the way things lined up with the election, it's really kind of interesting because the Republicans do not hold 60 seats in the Senate. And because they don't hold 60 seats, then Democratic senators can still filibuster most legislation that comes before them. So even though there's been a a change in kind of control or power, it hasn't been a sweeping enough change that filibustering can't block things. So there's an exception to the filibuster rule that's called a budget reconciliation bill. And so this is likely the path that that Congress will take to get the Affordable Care Act changed. And the last time they did this, they got it done this way, and then Obama um, uh, basically vetoed it. But what they tried to do last time was remove certain pieces of it and keep certain pieces of it. And if they do that again, then it just means that they will it won't be repealed, but it will be replaced in a version that might be a little bit more palatable and a little bit more affordable to people. Well, in hindsight, it's 2020. So now that we've had this around for a few years and we see what is good about it and mm-hmm. we see what's not working with it, we can um, hopefully see the administration come up with a solution that, that serves the American people, but also does it in a way that's cost effective and manageable long term. Right. And back to the tax. There is this crazy thing called the Cadillac tax, which just kind of makes me laugh that that Trump wants to repeal. And the Cadillac tax is an extra tax that employers get hit with if their benefit plan is too good. So they mandated health insurance and they said you have to provide it. But they at the same time said, but if you provide some that's too good, we're going to give you an extra tax, which is kind of (laughs) crazy. Now, the theory with that is they're trying to prevent Um, unnecessary testing that causes the insurance companies to pay for tests that aren't necessary. And I get that. But to to mandate it, but then to tax you if you if you follow their rules and give you a really healthy, robust plan kind of seems a little bit crazy to me. So anyway, that's one thing that's on the chopping block is to repeal that Cadillac tax too on health care. So that gives you a few things to think about, about how a new president might affect your money. Good or bad, this is the way things are going, and I'm excited to see what changes that could be very positive for a lot of us will come out of this. So thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Sterk, and we'll uh, tune in next week, and we're going to talk about financial tips by the decades. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.